I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We talked last week and over the last couple of weeks uh, from John chapter 14, verse 15, where said in the, the passage there where Jesus spoke these words, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you. If you love me, obey me. We've been walking through that, that, that series entitled Say Yes, of recognizing, understanding that Jesus wants us to do what he's called us to do. Now, we also talked from Matthew chapter 22. You remember that passage where Jesus was asked the question, hey, what's the most important commandment? Like, what's the, the biggest deal when it comes to following after you? Well, like, what is it that you need to get more than anything else? And you know the story. You know what Jesus answered. Jesus gave us this idea. He gave us this question. I mean, he gave us this answer to that question. He said this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what he gave us there is a very clear picture that if we're going to do life the way God intends for us to do life, that it better be marked by love. Right? So Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, if you're going to follow my commandments, and you've got to love him more than anything, and then also you've got to love others. And all through the Scripture, uh, in the New Testament, from Matthew all the way through the book of Revelation, we see over and over again the picture of, the, the description of, the definition of what it means to love. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that oftentimes we take those commandments, we take those statements out of God's Word, and we begin to apply our common day knowledge to allow us to carry out what it is that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. When Jesus said 2,000 years ago to love your neighbor as yourself, what we do today is we take a common day definition of love and we begin to apply it, thinking that we're doing what Christ has told us to do. The problem is this, is that our definition of love, our view of love, our concept of love has been changed, it has been defined, it has been in some ways perverted by the world, by Hollywood, by our culture, of telling us like what love looks like. And so we have this idea today that love is this. When Jesus 2,000 years ago, when he made that statement, his view, his definition, his idea of love was something radically different. And so today, I just thought we would walk through a passage that God gives to us very clearly to get us a, a picture of what love really means. Because if we're going to keep His commandments, if we're going to truly love God the way that we're supposed to love Him, if we're going to love others the way that we're supposed to love them, then we better figure out how to actually love not in the world's view of love, but God's view of love. And so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but before we do that, I want to give you our key verse for today, and I, I know you know this verse, it's a simple verse, it's a short verse. And by the way, the reason we give these key verses every week, the reason we say these and we kind of share them with you, it's very deliberate, because we believe according to God's Word, not because of like what we came up with, but according to God's Word, that if we will hide God's Word away in our hearts that it will change us, that it will define us, that it will actually make us into who God wants us to be. So we give you these key verses for the purpose of you actually taking in and grabbing a hold of the verse and even memorize. I would challenge you, memorize these verses. They're always short verses. We're not giving you like, you know, learn Psalm 119 this week, okay? Now, we're not doing that. They're short, quick, easy verses, but will say so much in how you're to live. So today's 
is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse there in that passage, verse 13, and it says this, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, if you read that in other translations, and we will in just a moment, it tells us this, is like at the end of the day, the things that are going to last, the things that are going to really be there when everything else fails is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. And so I would just encourage you, grab a hold of these ideas, grab a hold of these thoughts, because God gave them to us for a reason. Now let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read this passage, verses 1, all the way through verse 13. I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but if I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking and unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture— But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Verses 1 through 3 in this passage give us a very clear statement. It says, you know, you could be in a situation where you could have everything, where you could do everything. You could accomplish everything that the world says is important. Man, you could be a person who gives, a person who helps, a person who shows up when everybody else walks out. You could be the kind of person that when when troubles arise, you're the first one that shows up on the scene to wrap your arms around someone and to help them. It it says here that you could be a person who gives everything that you own to help the poor, that you could even give your own life. But if you do not do those things with love, that you've accomplished nothing, that you have actually become nothing more than what the world says is valuable. In other words... The idea that the world has of love, the idea that the world has of charity is one where we just simply help those others, we give to others, we, we kind of show up with the, the, the cool issue of the day, the challenge of the day, the, you know, the, 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 the thing that seems to be like all the rage of, of making sure that we're helping someone who's hurting and someone going through a difficult time. But at the end of the day, we really don't care. We were there so we can be seen. We're there so that we can actually, like, get credit for what we're doing. And so this passage says, listen, you could do all of those things, but if you don't have love in your heart, God's definition of love, then you're just wasting your time. You're accomplishing absolutely 
nothing. Now, I believe very clearly the reason Paul, in writing this this letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote this very specifically because he said, listen, you could do all these things, and if you have love, you're not going to accomplish anything. It's a waste of time. It's nothing. And then immediately following, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in writing these words, he immediately begins to describe this is what love is. Now, listen, if you go back and study the ancient Corinth, if you go back and read like what that city was like, you can see that it was a cesspool. It was kind of like if you took Sodom and Gomorrah and Las Vegas and you kind of all pushed it together and wrapped it all up and and made it into that, that was like almost what Corinth was. I mean, it was a place where there was just evil and bad and awful, nasty, everything you can imagine was in Corinth. And so if there was ever a place that needed to get a description of what love really was, it was Corinth. But make no mistake. If there was ever a place in this world that needed to know what love is, it's today. Got to be honest with you. It's Lynchburg. Got to be honest with you. It's us. Because the things that we're going to talk about today, I've got to be honest with you, every single one of us in this room, we are challenged in this area. Every single person seated here today struggles with, with doing things according to the way that we read it today, according to God's Word. We have a tough time doing this. And here's the reason. The reason is because we are human, because we have a sinful nature. And our natural desire, our natural proclivity in life is that it's all about us, that we want to make ourselves happy. And so we struggle with this area. And so today and then again next week, we're going to walk through this passage and get a picture, okay, what does God say about love? And the first thing this passage we read, beginning with verses 4 and, uh, and following, is this idea. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. doesn't rejoice about injustice, but replaces, uh, rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. The New King James says, love never fails. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love, interesting word, to spend the rest of my life being in relationships that are marked by this kind of love. Don't you think? My wife Sherry's down here on the front row. Uh, I'm 52 years old. She's not. She's a little older than I. I'm not going to tell you how much is, but two. And, but I'm not going to tell you how much more. But, um, but, but you know, we, we're, we've been married now for 26 years. And so we've been together a long time. But listen, we're still young. We've got a long way ahead of us, right? And so I would love for our relationship from this day all the way till the day that we die, it's marked by what we read here, okay? Now, I know if I went around and asked you the question, like, like do you want your life to be marked by that kind of love? I think all of you would say, yep, I want that. Now, here's the important thing we've got to get right out of the, the gate here. The kind of love that we're talking about today this walking through this passage as we're going to do uh, today and, and next week, it's not just simply talking about marital relationship, okay? It's not just talking about a husband and a wife. That, that's not, now it is talking about that, but it's talking about so much more. It's talking about husbands and wives. It's talking about family relationships. It's talking about friend relationships. It's talking about coworkers and, and, and schoolmates. It's talking about neighbors. It's talking about every person that you will have the opportunity of, of encountering or experiencing throughout your entire life. God says, this is the way to love. 
Remember, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Jesus said, Matthew 22, love your neighbors yourself. But he also said this, you have heard it said that you should love your neighbor, but I also tell you, love even your enemy. Okay, so Jesus said, love those close to you, love those who are far from you, love those that you like, love those that you don't really like, love those who attack you, Love those who criticize you. Love those who gossip about you. Love those who make fun of you. Listen, you can see here, the picture is this. This thing that we're talking about today is a result of God's love for us, but it's also a picture of how we're to love every single person. So I want you to say with me, when we're talking about this kind of love, who is it related to? How does it connect? I want you to say with me, everyone. Okay, so, so who does this actually talk to us and tell us how we're lo- Who? How many? Everyone. So we got that, right? Okay, so if you're sitting here and you're not married, this is like not time for you to tune out, go on Twitter or Facebook and see, you know, like what new menus, recipes are out there. It's time for you to pay attention because this deals with every single relationship in life. Now, let's go back to this passage. What does it say right out of the gate here? It says this, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and and kind. Verses 4, the first part of that thing. Now let's talk about the, the first part of the passage. First thing we talk about, patient. Patience. Patience requires discipline. Patience is not a natural gift that we are given. Because all of us want everything now, right? When you go through a drive through at the restaurant, guess what? You don't want to wait in line, right? There are some restaurants here in town now that they have put like two drive through lines, right? Now, let's be honest, when you're going through that drive-thru, how many of you have ever been through a drive-thru line that has two lines, right? Yeah, Chick-fil-A has them, McDonald's, right? So, so you're going through that line, right? And you're sitting there and you're ordering. How many of you, when you pull up, because listen, I know this by personal experience, when you pull up to that ordering window or that ordering speaker, how many of you talk like really fast and you're hoping that they answer you really fast so that you can beat the person next to you? Let's be honest, how many of you do it, right? I mean, we all do it. I mean, we're sitting there, we're revving our engine. So as soon as they say, is that all? Yes. And we go because we have to beat that person who's right over there. Because if we don't, we will have to wait six more seconds for our food. And let's be honest, we don't want to wait six more seconds, right? We want our food now. And oh, if we pull up and it happens almost every time. If we pull up and there's two people sitting there at that ordering window, they're they're sitting there ordering the speaker. And we're sitting there, you know, you're pulling up and your mind immediately, like, like you could be sitting there like dealing with a financial crisis. You could be thinking about like a job interview. You could be thinking about a test that you're going to take later today that you've been studying for and it's like really tough, right? But you pull up there. The only thing on your mind is, which line do I pick? Like, do I go here or do I go there? Because you don't want to pick the slow one. And inevitably, guess what's going to happen? You're going to pick the slow one. And I pull up there, it's like every time it happens, right? You get it. Why? Because we want everything right now. Patience is not a natural thing in our lives. It's not something that we're naturally born with. It's not something that we're naturally gifted with. Now, there are a few people, there's some, you know, there's some oddballs out there that like just were born with patience, right? I haven't met many of them. Uh, there are a few of them out there who are just as patient as you can, and they're awesome, and, they're, and they drive you nuts, right? Because you think, man, they're just too good to be true. The rest of us, for all of us left, patience is something we struggle with. It's something we have a difficult time with. 
when you look at this idea of patience here, it's not just simply about the idea of like waiting, right? When it says love is patient, it's not simply like, like okay, I'll wait. I mean, I got to be honest with you, Sherry, and I've been, you know, been married for 26 years. Uh, I've waited her for about 12 of those 26 years. And I'm just kidding. If you added them all up, it'd be more like 11. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I mean, you wait, right? I mean, that's not what this passage is talking about. In fact, when you look at the original Greek here, it's what it says. It says this, to persevere through any kind of wrong, to persevere through offenses, to persevere through those times when that other person has done something that has hurt you. So it takes a totally different dynamic away from this, doesn't it? So it really has nothing to do with, like, the time that you're waiting. It has nothing to do with, like, you know, sitting in the car and blowing the horn. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with this, is that when you are in a relationship with somebody, and for the record, we are all in relationships with someone, every single one of us, that when you're in a relationship with someone, Jesus tells us in this passage very clearly that love is patient. In other words, it will persevere through any type of challenge, difficulty, or wrong. And that changes the dynamic. Because again, that's not what we want to do. I mean, yes, we want to make sure that we get everything now, but we also want to make sure we don't get hurt, right? We want to make sure that our heart is protected. We want to make sure that no matter what happens, that we never put ourselves in a situation where, you know, we're kind of down the rung a little bit, where we've been wrong, we've been talked about, where we've been, uh, you know, in a situation where we've been treated incorrectly or treated badly. But yet God's definition of love is this. Love is one that will persevere through any of those kinds of situations. And so we have to recognize, yes, patience requires discipline. Now, we also have to recognize that patience that's given to us here in this passage, it does not give us the right to, uh, or the allowance for indifference or ignoring something that's wrong. So it doesn't say here that if you love someone and you've got to be patient, you have to live your life recognizing that you are in a place where you're going to persevere through any wrong. It doesn't mean this, that you put up with sin. It doesn't mean you like just sin's not a big deal and I'm not going to worry about that. Now the world gets this one wrong because the world will tell you that love, if you really love somebody, then you just have to accept them for who they are. You have to accept them for what they do. They can live any kind of life they want to live and it doesn't matter because if you love them, you'll just accept it. Here's the deal. When Jesus very clearly tells us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, when God's word says this, that love is patient, God's love will never allow sin. God's love does not make allowance for whatever the world wants to do. So that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is this, is that love, when we love someone, that we're willing to stick it out for the long haul. That we're willing to go through challenges with them and not walk out at the first sign of trouble. Love is patient. It also says this, love is kind. The idea here of this word kindness is that kindness changes outcomes. It changes what tomorrow is going to look like. So if our natural, you know, our our kind of our, our, our natural desire is to always be about ourselves, to always be focused on what we want out of relationship, and we turn that dynamic around where now it's the idea we're going to persevere. I mean, it's patient. We're going to be in there for the long haul. The next natural result of that is that we're going to begin to live in kindness. You cannot have patience without kindness. 
And you cannot have kindness without patience. If you're not willing to stick it out, then you're not going to be kind. And if you're not kind, then you simply are definitely going to walk away, right? I mean, it's, it's, the two go together. And kindness changes every outcome. In every situation, every struggle, every challenge, every relationship breakdown, every relationship that's going through a moment where it's difficult, where, where you're wondering kind of like what's going on and you're kind of, the questions are there and, and kind of that, that, that uneasy feeling that you have because of a situation here. When both parties are re- responding to those kinds of moments in the kind of kindness that God has given to us here, it changes the outcome of every conflict. And so when you have those conflicts with your relationship and whatever relationship that you're in, which you will have. Again, Sherry and I have been married 26 years. We've had conflicts through those 26 years. We've had, you know, we've had disagreements. We've had arguments. We've had fights. I mean, all of us have those kinds of, they're, they're natural. They're part of relationships. They're part of life. But when we always recognize that even in those kinds of moments that we're going to be patient, we're going to persevere through them. Like, like when Sherry and I have a disagreement, we have a, an argument about something, when, you know, something's not going right, we're upset about something. I mean, never does it go through our mind like, okay, this is over. It's never gone through our mind. It's not mine. I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping her too. But, you know, it's never gone through that mind, my mind when, when there's been a problem, when there's been a disagreement. In fact, I want to go ask her. You've not. Okay, yeah, there we go. I just want to make sure here. Be kind of embarrassing. I'm sitting She's like, "Yeah, actually, that's not true." Um, never has it been in my mind that like this thing is going to end. Like, like I can't deal with this anymore. It's always been, I'm hanging in there. When I married her 26 years ago, when I said, you know, that yes, I will till death us do part. Listen, I will be in there until I die. And it's not an option. It's not a question of walking away and and throwing it away when things get difficult. Things are going to get difficult. So if we recognize that we're going to persevere, but then we're going to persevere with kindness, like we're going to respond in those moments, not in anger, not in, in selfishness, not like, you know, attacking, but responding in kindness, I promise you this, it will always change the outcome of every conflict. Now, let me just be honest ask you a question here. How many of you have been through a conflict in some type of relationship before? Just raise your hand. Every single one of us raises our hands. If you're not raising your hand, you're spending too much time alone, okay? We all have been in conflicts. Now, listen, if we get this idea that, number one, love is patient, it perseveres. That love is kind, that we're going to respond in, we're going to deal with situations and challenges and conflicts in kindness... It changes the dynamic of everything that you think about. It changes the way you look at that other person. Again, whether it's a marriage relationships or whether it's friendships or whether, whatever it might be, it changes the way you look at those things. And know this, not only does it change it, it's what God requires. This is not like, hey, this is like the best case, all right? This is not like you know, kind of the the best way to deal with stuff. It's not the only way, but it's the best way. No, no. God requires it. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, to love that other person the way that you love yourself, which means this, I'm patient with myself. And I listen, I am kind to myself. I like me. 
I get along really well with me. And I think everybody in this room would say the same. Man, we get along really well with ourselves. Jesus said, well, then that's the way you love someone else. Ask yourself a very serious question. Is that the way that you treat people in your life? Is that the way that you respond to those difficult moments in life? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't stop there. It goes on. It says, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Now, I know, man, we're stepping on all kinds of toes here today. I'm stepping on my own toes today, right? So let's go through this. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. That's verses, the last part of verse 4 and first part of verse 5. In other words, your desires are focused on their, their best interests, not our own. When you look at that statement that love is not jealous, we recognize it. In other words, it's not about me. It's about them. It's not about what I want. It's what about they, what's what they want. It's not about like what's the best outcome for me. It's like what can I do to bless them? Jealousy is a killer of relationships. Jealousy in every situation. When you are jealous of someone else's success, I promise you this, your relationship with them will be destroyed. When you are jealous about uh, other people, when the, the way that they're liked or the, the way that the other people treat them or what they have been blessed with, I promise you, it will destroy not only your relationship with them, it will destroy you. And so when it says love is not jealous, we recognize that jealousy is the absolute opposite of what we see in Christ. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul writing this passage says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You want to talk about the idea love is not jealous? You think about what Jesus, when he looked at us and when he saw who we were and what we went through and what we did and what we had to offer, let's be honest, we had nothing to offer him. Jesus did not walk into this earth with jealousy in his heart. He walked into this earth seeking our best interest, not his own. And so when we talk about this idea, love is not jealous, love is not boastful, man, it was not about Jesus at all. It was all about us. And this passage tells us, and that's the way you live. That's the way you should love others. That's the way you should give of yourself. Jealousy destroys. R.L. Pratt and the Holman commentary said this, jealousy and envy begin when admiration and desire turn to resentment of others for what they have. Let's be honest, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all struggled with that, haven't we? Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Now, when you look at those three words there, boastful, proud, and rude, they're kind of all connected uh, in their, their outcome. They're all kind of connected in what ends up happening. You look at that word boastful, and you look at the original Greek, and it says this, is to praise oneself excessively. In other words, in every relationship, this is about me. If in every situation, every time that you're with someone, if all you're talking about is you, that relationship is not healthy. 
If you're in a relationship where every time you're with that other person, whenever time you're having the opportunity of talking with them and, and walking through something with them, if the only conversations are resulting in either let me tell you about me or let me tell you about my problems or, hey, what am I going to get out of this conversation? What am I going to get out of this relationship? I promise you this, that is not a healthy condition. It is not setting you up for a healthy outcome in that relationship that relationship will be destroyed. Why? Because that's a relationship that is based on being boastful. It's all about me. And I've heard, I've, I've told you this many times, you've heard me say it, when it's all about you, it's all about over. When it's all about you, you can guarantee the day is coming to an end. And so that's what Jesus says here, God says here through, through the Apostle Paul. Love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud. Again, the original Greek here is the idea of to be puffed up, to think that you're better than anyone else. Let's be honest, and I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but how many of you here, like right now, you can think of a name of a person who just thinks they're better than anybody else? And I think, I, I see people are smiling. You, we, all have, we all kind of, we can come up with somebody like that, right? Where they just think like they're better than anybody else in the room. When they walk into the room, their, their go-to, their, their first step is to begin to criticize other people. Like, oh, look at them. Look what they're wearing. Look what they're doing. Oh, let me tell you a story about them. Walking into the room where the first thing that comes out of their mind is, let me tell you how bad that person is. Now, no question about it. That's a person uh, who, is, who, who is boastful, who is proud, but it's also a person who's insecure. Pride is almost always rooted in security. Like, in other words, I don't think very much of myself, so what I want to do is I want to make myself look better by making you look worse. That is not a recipe for a healthy relationship. That is not the picture of what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Totally different dynamic. Love is not boastful. It is not proud. It's not rude. Not rude. Look at the original Greek here. Uh, the Greek word here is askamaneo, which literally means to behave dishonorably or without decorum. In other words, when you walk into a situation, you're just going to act like a complete jerk. And I think probably all of us at some point, at some time, in our relationships with others, in our connections with others, in our, uh, you know, situations where we've been with other people, probably everybody in this room is guilty at some time or another of this one, of like just being in a situation where you've acted like a complete and total jerk. Now, I do know this, that if I took eight steps to my left and I asked Sherry, hey, if there have been any time that I've been like acted like a jerk, I can guarantee you she's got a list. I mean, she's, she's probably in her purse. I mean, she can probably pull up. Well, yeah, now on uh, January the 4th, she probably could do, which by the way, part of this passage says this, it keeps no records of wrongs. We'll get to that one later. But every single one of us are guilty of this. And God tells us very clearly, listen, love cannot be marked by you acting like a jerk. Love is not rude. So just basically this, church, stop being a jerk. Stop being rude to other people. Stop acting like you are better than them because you're a Christian and being rude to them. Now listen, you say, well, I don't, I'm, of course, I don't act like a jerk. I'm not rude to people. Let me ask you a question. Go back and look at your last 50 tweets and tell me, is that true? 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm over here looking at you guys. I promise, I've not been looking at your Twitter feeds. I promise you, okay? I'm not talking about you. Go back and look at what you post online. Go back and look at how the arguments and the fights and stuff. Listen, as Christians, we need to be known for our what? Love. Jesus said they will be known for how they love one another. So in other words, if we're going to be known as Christians in how we love one another, then we better not be acting like jerks in this world today. We better be treating people with kindness. We better be treating people with respect. And don't you dare talk about how you want to reach your world for Christ if you don't get this one right. Because anger never led anyone to Christ. Treating people wrongly never brought people into a relationship in faith in Christ. Being a jerk will never give you the open door to share the gospel. So God's word says this, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude. So let me just ask you a question. And th- th- by the way, if you're looking at the notes, there's more, but I, I'm, 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 we're not going to get to it today. We're going to do it next week, okay? Let me ask you a very important question. What can be said of the way that you're showing love to one another? Are you showing love being patient and being kind? Are you showing love by making sure that you're not the kind of person that's all about you? Are you in relationships that when you're in the situation in that moment that you're a person, it's not pride, it's not uh, boastful, it's, it's not rude? Is that like the markers of your relationship? And if not, let's be honest, it's time for some repentance. It's time for you to actually get on your... Because by the way, if you are doing these things, in other words, if you are boastful, if you are proud, if you are rude, if you're not patient, if you're not kind, listen, it's not just that you may not be the best person in a relationship. It means that you are living your life in sin because John 14 verse 15 said this. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If it's in God's word, if it's a picture in God's word of this is how you're to act and this is how do you respond, this is how you're to do things, and you're not doing it, guess what you're doing? You're disobeying. If you're disobeying God, what are you doing? You are living in sin. If you're not loving the way God tells you to love, then it's time for you to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I've messed up. God, I've blown it. The great thing, the beautiful thing is this, is because God does love the way that he describes, that no matter how far off the path you've gotten, God is always willing to forgive. I love 1 John 1, 9 because it is the picture of love. I mean, you think about it now. We're walking through the definitions of love here, but 1 John 1, 9 is probably the greatest definition of love. And you know what that verse says? It says this, that if we confess our sins, that He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse right there is a picture of everything that you can read in verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is the absolute description of love. Patience and kindness. It's not proud. It's not boastful. It's not rude. In other words, Jesus says, I will forgive you. So the question is, How are you doing? How are you loving? How are you living? And if you're not doing it the way God tells you to do it, then yes, it's time for repentance.
Now, next week, we're going to continue walking through this passage. In two weeks, we're going to walk through every part of this passage so we really get a picture of what it looks like. Here's why. Because if we can get this right, if we can figure this thing out, then it will fix every relationship, every challenge, every problem that you will ever have in your life. Every single relationship problem on the face of the earth is when something in these three verses gets messed up, four verses, gets messed up. Like, I'm not doing it that way. And if you're not doing it that way, your relationship's in trouble. That's why we're going to spend two weeks talking about it. Now, right now, what I want you to do is this. I want you to look inside. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Look inside and begin the process of asking yourself the question, how am I loving? Are you living a life where you are loving others with patience and kindness, where you're not proud, you're not boastful, you're not rude, like you're, you're doing it well? And if you are, that's awesome, that's great. But, but, but if you're not, man, it's time to change some things. In marriages, in friendships, in families, in workplace, in school, wherever those relationships are are grounded or based in, it's time to change some things. And so in a moment, we're going to sing together. We do every week, and and our our team is going to be here at the front. And and, and I just can be honest with you. I, I think maybe because all of us struggle in this area, and I think all of us at some point are guilty of this, it might be a really good time for us to come down to this altar and just say, God, man, I want to get this right. Change my heart, God. And by the way, that's exactly what it is. It's a change of heart. And so maybe you want to come down here today and just kneel here and just say, God, help me to love the way you tell me to love. God, help me to do it the way you instruct me to do it. Maybe you want to come down here today and you want to join this, this family of believers. Maybe you want to come and get baptized. Maybe, maybe today you want to come down and, and you just want to meet Jesus because we've been talking about love and there's no greater picture of love than in John chapter 15. It says there's no greater love than when one will lay down his life for his friend which is exactly what Jesus did for you. God loved you. Christ died for you. and He was buried and he rose again for you. And he did so because he wants a relationship with you. And the way we enter into that relationship is by believing. And so maybe today you need to meet Jesus. And so our team's going to be here. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to have that conversation with you to introduce you to the one who loves you in a way that you could never even imagine. The kind of love that is always right, that's the kind of love that God has for us. So maybe today that's what you need to do. And so as we stand and as we sing together, as our team gathers here at the front, we're just going to take these next few moments and just ask ourselves the question, am I loving right? And if not, I want to change it now, God. So let's step out right now and let's sing. You are good, you are good. Thank you for watching this week's service from Thomas Road in Lynchburg, Virginia. If you have a spiritual need, please don't hesitate to call the toll-free number on your screen or send an email to pastor at trbc.org. To learn more about the ministry of Thomas Road, please visit our website. Thanks for worshiping with us. We hope you will join us again next week.